You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Chris Scott, host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at both Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines. Our guest today is Dr. Bruce Stewart Brown. Senior Vice President of Technical Services and Innovation at Purdue Farms, the nation's sixth largest poultry and pork processor with estimated annual sales of $8 billion. A longtime Purdue veteran, Dr. Stuart Brown leads the company's technical services group, which is responsible for oversight of Purdue's veterinary, health, nutritional services, research, laboratory services, animal welfare programs, and biosecurity efforts. We'll discuss these and other topics in today's conversation. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Bruce. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm uh, anxious to have this conversation, so thanks for inviting me. Of course, and thank you. Before we dig into the research Purdue recently released at the 7th Annual Animal Care Summit, let's discuss some of the aspects of poultry processing you've experienced during your 24-year career at Purdue. For example, can you identify some of the major trends you've seen in the industry regarding poultry processing innovations or veterinary health practices or within any other segment of in production in the last decade or so? Yeah, I mean, it's been an um, exciting 24 years, at least from my, my career perspective, on the number of things that have gone on and the changes that have occurred both within Purdue and the industry as a whole. Some of the things have been the way we raise chickens and things associated with live side, and certainly the processing plant has changed as well. For instance, in 2002, we started a project to discontinue the use or at least drastically reduce the use of antibiotics in the birds that we raise. And that essentially changed uh, about a million things for us as a company over the last 20 years, how we evolved and how we, the changes we had to make to be successful to reduce antibiotics like that. And it changed the whole system, really. This is another thing that maybe people don't totally recognize. When you do a change like that, it becomes it becomes a whole systems change. So the breeders had to change the way they operated, the hatcheries, the grow out the feed mill. Everything had to kind of adapt and and react and uh, plan and and find out what they could contribute to making that system work. So really has been uh, pretty drastic, just your general approach to how you raise chickens, how you handle eggs your level of sanitation or your kind of acceptability of of clean and dirty has to be reevaluated the other part of that 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 became really clear is that that as you pull antibiotics and you make these changes you have to be open to how you care for chickens so in our case the no antibiotics approach or the reduction in antibiotic use became our animal care initiative uh, because we knew that was the way to be successful and it evolved into this process we have now that has to do with creating new initiatives for animal care and following up on them and and uh, talking about how we can 
change the way we raise chickens. So basically, I, I would also say in the processing plant, some changes that have gone on are pretty extreme. The move to automation has has been pretty drastic, especially post-COVID, but it was happening all along, just kind of speeded it up after, during and after COVID. And and that has translated into live side challenges as well, or at least requests from the live side to know what a bird weighs more uh, accurately, know how uniform the flock is so that the machinery can work better. All those kinds of challenges are going on really as we speak. Now, at one stage in your career at Purdue, you were involved in food safety and quality programs, especially in terms of live operations and animal welfare in poultry production across 14 states. Considering where the industry has made adjustments that you outlined and advances in those specific areas, would you cite no antibiotics ever as one of the more important implementations in the food safety concept of poultry processing? You know, the reason that we went to or we pursued a reduction to some degree, elimination of antibiotics really didn't start as a food safety initiative or a public health initiative. What started it was we were getting comments from consumers. We have this really elaborate process of getting feedback from consumers where they call in and then we chart it and kind of try to follow what what folks that buy our chicken are concerned about and how they'd like us to change if we can. And one of the comments we would get already in 2002 was, we heard you use quite a few antibiotics and we think it's related to the fact that you raise chickens in a way that antibiotics are are almost uh, required for them to stay healthy. Surely you can find a this is not how they said it, of course, but this is kind of the gist of how it came out was surely you can find a way to raise chickens where you don't have to put antibiotics in every bite of feed. And, you know, the more we thought about that, the more that made sense is that antibiotics should be reserved for therapy and not for like just maintaining health while you're raising chickens. So we 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 really moved towards the no antibiotics program based on that. Now, the public health implications of no antibiotics ever, of course, have have been more and more debated in the last 20 years. And frankly, that's a really complicated discussion and it'll continue to go on. Basically, we're glad to have moved through this so that we can move on to some other subjects and, and try to understand the implications of resistance in ways other than the fact that we're using antibiotics. So, but I would say that the no antibiotics piece was a plus for for food safety in a lot of ways because it the things to, that you have to do to be successful with no antibiotics are also really beneficial at reducing other bacteria or general bacteria. So things that might, you know, be a food safety component, get the um, benefit of the fact that you, you know, started out with trying to be successful with with no antibiotics. So there is a kind of a crossover there. I think the things we were learning and the practices that we were moving to are net benefit to, to all bacteria, not just those that might make a chicken sick. Absolutely. Okay, let's turn to the Animal Care Summit and Produce 2022 Commitments to Animal Care Report, 
which spotlights 90 initiatives to accelerate plans to improve poultry care that was launched in 2016. What kind of adjustments have been made so far over the last six years? This uh, process of of naming some things every year, you know, sometimes between uh, 8 and 15 every year, we say out loud, these are the things we're going to study really hard. We're going to do some other stuff as it relates to to welfare and and care, but we're going to say out loud some things so that and describe them a little bit, and then come back a year from now and help everybody understand what we learned. It's been it's been a good process because it it allows others to weigh in, and we we have this animal care summit every year where we invite farmers that raise our chickens. We invite some academia. We get some of our own folks in there. We have animal advocacy groups uh, come in as well. And and so we have some students. We have customers and, and we have consumers represented to a certain degree. So we have this group in a room where we talk about, here's what we said last year we were going to study. Here's what we learned. We're honest about whether we made progress or not explain it to folks if they're interested, and then we name some new initiatives for the next year. Some of these initiatives become part of the continuous improvement piece of our our program, which says, yes, we studied this, here's where we got to, but we'll keep updating this every year so you see that, you know, the progress that's being made. For instance, a good one is like controlled atmosphere stunning. We said really early in this process that we we put in a control atmosphere stunning system and we liked it. It seemed to work really well. We believe in it. We're going to keep adding them. And every year we give a little update about where we're at on, on progress as it relates to that. We, we have it for turkeys and we have it for pigs and we're working through it on, on chickens. So it's a good opportunity at least once a year to give people an update on where you've got to on things that you've said out loud were important to you and the chickens and the farmers uh, that grow our chickens. So really a interesting process. It sounds very transparent, which is a great way to go. In terms of implementation of the latest recommendations regarding animal husbandry, what aspects would you identify as the top priorities relative to the prospective timetable as noted in the report? Well, I mentioned one, which is CAS, uh, Control Atmosphere Stunning uh, Systems are expensive, and and there's a lot of them in the world. We visited, several years ago, we visited as many systems as we could that were the the -the state-of-the-art systems, and we went throughout the world looking at them. We came home and built one, the one that we thought made most sense for us and seemed to perform well, and and then we're moving through that. So that's one of the things. Enriched environments is another thing, you know, the – We've done as an industry and as a company some really good things about caring for birds' health and the aspect of them being comfortable and productive and low mortality and things that are kind of traditional metrics as far as as performance metrics. What we haven't done particularly well as an industry or or frankly as a company is is worked on natural behaviors, understanding them, teaching them judging um, a particular house and management style as it relates to them. And I believe this is one of the areas that that we've gained the most out of 
And some of it is through in-house enrichments. Some, some of it is associated with, with lighting and appropriate lighting and, and thinking through lighting again. You know, we are not going to raise birds in the pitch black. That, that just encourages them to lay around. We don't think that's the, the right way to get for the chicken. We certainly don't think it's good for the farmer. And it's probably not good for the meat. And so this aspect of encouraging activity and either through lights or space or enriched environments, that's the thing. That's the big uh, – and I know it's it's somewhat contentious for folks, and there's a lot of discussion around it, and it, there needs to be. Having said that, we're – and I'll tell you one of the things that really convinced us to a certain degree was – we weren't really in the organic business till 2008, 2009. And as we acquired a company that, that had a large amount of organic production, we, we stopped making fun of it to you know, uh, any degree because as we saw it, we, we recognized some real value in organic husbandry. You know, the aspect, the different ways that birds are raised that come with organic production, the outside access, the natural light, the things that the we measured activity one year between our organic farms and our others and our organic birds we deemed, uh, we judged twice as active as our other birds. And we liked the meat quality that came from organic. We liked the health that was coming from organic. So it really became kind of our north star a little bit as it relates to the evolution of our our animal care and our animal management raising practices. So, yeah, those are some things that will continue to evolve over the next several years for us and and probably for others to some degree. Now, you've mentioned a couple of technological advances in the last few years that have been successfully implemented into the Purdue programs at the, at the farm level. Can you give me a contrast as to what kind of other technologies are, you're using versus a decade ago? Well, one of the technologies that's been really interesting for us is we have 25% of our birds now with access to the outdoors when, when of course, the weather's right and the, and uh, the temperature is, is right for them. Well, we have, you know, a lot of free-range kind of systems. And what we've noticed is that some birds go out quite a bit as it relates to a free-range house. And sometimes you'll find a farm where they rarely go out. And so, and these are the same birds, same kind of thing. It's just uh, something about the farm and or the range and or the management style that is different. So, we have spent a lot of time studying how we're going to judge a farm based on how many birds go outdoors and and then also study what we can do to to encourage birds when when appropriate to go outside. We did this project that we you know reported on this year, which was around we took twelve different plants and planted them in the pasture. And then tried to understand if chickens had a preference for one plant over the other. So the idea there is that pasture is not always the same, and and some we probably need to migrate towards a recommended pasture mix, for lack of a better term. These five things, please plant this in your pastures. 
chickens like to forage on these five things. If we can get this established, I think your pasture will be more attractive to birds when, when appropriate to have them go out. The other technology we've used, which is really cool, which is, um, is we wonder of these chickens, how many of them are really going outside? How long do they stay is there a leader? Like, does typically chicken 55 go first and then 10 birds follow them and they are the kind of leader of the pack? And if that's the case, what's special about chicken 55? So we build an RFID system, which put an RFID gate on the pop hole and put a little RFID bracelet on the chickens such that we could determine this bird went outside, it stayed two hours, came back in, it went outside three more times that day, stayed an average of 15 minutes or 25 minutes or an hour and a half. There's a couple birds here that went out and stayed out for eight hours. What it is about that? Did they simply get lost or is that their deal? They're just so happy out there. You know, what about these birds that, that, that don't go out at all. So anyhow, that's a couple uh, really interesting pieces of technology that help us kind of take the uh, management style to another level, I hope. Absolutely. Uh, Now, beyond produce focus on animal husbandry and producing consistent products for customers, what would you call the company's or the industry's most significant challenge in the post-COVID age? Would it be supply chain issues or attracting qualified employees? Well, Obviously, labor is a really hard thing, and it's it's become a, a significant challenge for everybody. Everybody knows that. And I guess everybody also knows that as you automate and uh, get more technical, your opportunity, you know, the technical requirements for your folks become higher and higher. So how do you Here's the here's the big challenge is can we take the folks that do this job and give them some new skills to kind of continue to take the the automation and the increasing amounts of data and make sense of it what how can we grow them and then how can we recruit folks with that kind of skill set that helps us take some of this uh, automated data collection piece and makes help us make better decisions decisions with it. The other part of that is to help farmers with all that. You know, farmers, uh, the automation that they're using in chicken houses, the controllers, the data coming in from sensors is just exploding, you know. So, and that part is only as good as, as the per- person responding to the data. So, just a lot of need for data, turning turning numbers into information and being comfortable with that and keeping up with that and growing your own folks to, to make good decisions with it as well as kind of recruiting uh, based upon that. So really good place in the future in poultry for kind of data, data sensitive, data intelligent people that like a lot of numbers but can make them make sense for everybody. That's a big deal. And all for the goal of consistency in product, right? Yep. For for aspects around better products, for pleasing consumers and helping them with con- products that, that they prefer, right? So Absolutely. Dep- dependable about it and, and having uh, people trust you. So 
some of some of the data, by the way, is associated with helping people want to know where their food comes from. That's kind of a cliche, but people want to know and and having a, an ability to show them and explain to them in a way that they can understand in a really, you know, in a two minute segment. So that's another aspect of opportunity in the future is people good at taking relatively complicated things and making them so people can understand them. Terrific. And uh, finally, what is the attraction for you personally in the technical services area? And how would you describe your approach for meeting some of these goals that you've discussed for you and your team at Purdue? Well, you know, the cool thing about Purdue is that we have a brand and um, that we have to we have to earn the right for people to buy our stuff and 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 so that requires us to be really transparent about what we do to own our mistakes and to help folks see the direction we're going and and frankly to listen to them listen to consumers and respond to their concerns by producing chicken in the best possible way that makes for better products so that the meat quality components that we're working on. I I love that part. I mean, not all chicken meat is the same. I'm convinced of that. And that'll be clearer and clearer in the next several years that, that there's a difference in chicken meat. And it has as much to do with how you fed it and how you raised it, and perhaps even a breed component, um, how you bred it. So this, this will get so interesting from my perspective. And it's really what what drives me is the relationship between animal care, animal husbandry, feed, and the ultimate kind of final product and the experience pleasing the consumer with the product that you that results in all that. So that's a really cool thing about us as a company, and it's also really stimulating to me personally. That's great. Thanks so much, Bruce, for sharing your insights with our Meeting Pod listeners who can find out more information on Purdue's latest animal care initiatives by visiting www.purdueanimalcare.com. Thanks. And thanks to our listeners for joining us for Meeting Pod today. Come back every Monday for more insights on the ins and outs of the meat processing industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines on social media and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and altmeat.net. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines on social media and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeet.net.